Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today Bloom and I are sitting down with NC Fit's own Emily. We have so much to thank Emily for. She helped us spearhead the Women Make Waves campaign back in March, and because of that is one of the reasons that this podcast even exists today. So it was so much fun sitting down and catching up with her, learning all about what she's doing in our brick and mortar gyms, from coaching to personal development and anything and everything in between. On Emily's personal development journey, she has decided to disconnect and delete social media. We talk all about it, how it has impacted her both professionally and personally, and what she's learned from it. If you are looking for a wicked change and something to wake you up, kick you in the butt in 2022 that's not deleting social media, I want you to join us in the EOE 40 Challenge, Effort Over Everything for 40 Days. We're talking effort over everything, guys. Waking up 40 minutes earlier, right? Getting down on that morning routine, maybe filling up your cup with a little bit of gratitude and mindfulness to 40 days of the clean sink club, not leaving dishes in the sink. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So set yourself up for success, putting effort into even the most seemingly mundane daily tasks. And then we're asking you to follow a nutrition guideline for 40 days. Tracking both quality and quantity. So making sure you're getting enough protein. Are you eating whole unprocessed foods? Be sure to check it out. Ways to get involved are linked in the show notes and join us for 40 days of awesomeness starting today, January 10th. And until next week, enjoy the show. What's up guys. Welcome back to another episode of Women Make Waves. I'm sitting down with Bloom as always. And today we have Miss Emily, the woman, the myth, the legend that you have probably seen on any of our athlete videos, some of our like race, the coach videos on the app and anywhere on social media, which is really interesting because as much as she's all over NC fit social, she is not on the interwebs herself. So we're excited to dive into that. Emily, thanks so much for being here. And we want to kick off every episode like we do by asking, how are you making waves? Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked. Like I was just telling you guys, this is my first podcast. Um, so this will be freaking awesome just to chat with you ladies. Um, how am I making waves? Ultimately it comes down to me trying to be the best version of myself, um, in order to be the best version I can be for other people. So whether that's saying, hell yeah, I'm going to ride that wave or creating my own swell and going in a different direction. Um, that's what it comes down to. But, you know, just being the best version of myself in, you know, on and off of the coaching floor, because that's what I do full time for NC Fit. That's always my goal. Love that you stayed on brand with the tides and the waves and the nautical theme. So just wait, listeners, the puns are, I can already feel them brewing inside of me. I'm going to have some ocean puns coming up. Um, So saying, I do want to dive into coaching because I think that a lot of our listener base is either a coach or athlete or fitness, something or other. Um, but what I love about what you just said was that you are working on being the best version of yourself so that you can show up as the best coach. You can show up as the best employee, best friend, best anything and everything in between. 
what are some of the things that you're doing? Because I know that that can sound like such an overwhelming feat for people listening. What are some of the things you're doing that help you connect back to self and become that best version? This has been years in the making. So I'll start with that. I've gone through different, I think just like we all have gone through different, you know, versions of ourselves, change is inevitable. It's, I think that's, you know, in every one of us. Um, I used to be a very, I used to have a very hard mentality kind of walking around with a chip on my shoulder. Um, it just in different places that I've lived, been around different people, but ultimately I've come to the conclusion. And I think Colleen touched on this in the podcast y'all had with her is killing people with kindness. I want to be able to show up for myself through whether that's, you know, diving into a daily routine that's consistent for me in order to be consistent on the floor. Um, and again, how I interact with people, I always, I make, I remember, remind, remind myself that how do I want it to, if it's the last time I'm going to see that person, have it be a really great experience interacting with that individual. Um, so again, it's just being consistent for myself in my workouts in my work in my relationships. Um, and then that transfers over and is a domino effect on the floor with every person that I coach. That you said that you have learned this over the past few years. Like this has been a journey. What do you think is one of like the most valuable lessons that you've learned in this process of like learning how to show up for yourself? Um, I think it's giving myself grace. If that makes sense. I think I used to be so hard on myself and I would get so stressed out about things. And at the end of the day, we can only control what we can control. There's so many other variables that are outside our control that I think I used to get so caught up in. And then just that would stress me out or just get me so, you know, you know, in a crazy emotions. Um, and so I think it's just taking a step back and just reminding myself, Hey, it's okay. Like, again, just focus on what you can focus on and what you can control. Um, and that just allows me to settle in to being a better person for myself and for others. Jason talks about that a lot, right? Recognizing what's inside of our control and what's outside, mm -hmm. leaving what's outside it you know, it's going to be what it's going to be, whether we spin out about it or not, whether we waste our energy on it or not, it's going to do its thing. So controlling the things that we can control. Um, and we were talking before the show about social media, about our nutrition, about these kind of like this, I think of it as like this hyperbolic chamber of just like negative influence, even though it has really good um, kind of intentions behind it, right? Like I look at really lean, really awesome athletes every day, like, and that reflects on my body poorly, or I'm seeing all these trendy diets on the internet and like, which one works for me? How can I do this? And, um, you went very, very extreme and just said, I'm just going to cut out this thing that, um, is having some sort of impact on my life. So first, um, I kind of just want to dive in. So listeners know, um, why it was that you deleted social media. What was kind of like the, the big catalyst factor there and what have you kind of learned since not having it and, and anything in between? Yeah. Um, so 2020 was a hell of a year for me personally and professionally kind of 
going back and forth between what I wanted to do career wise. Um, but on the personal side of things, um, like I just said, 2020 was a hell of a year for a lot of us. And I just got to the point where it was just started consuming my life where I would just spend hour, you know, hours or whatever, scrolling Instagram, looking at different things and certain things that I saw would affect me emotionally and physically to a certain extent. And I finally just got to the point where I was fed up with it. And in order to just be in a healthier spot again, physically and mentally, I was just like, let me delete it. The goal was never to go this long. Um, I was never huge into social media. I never, I would post kind of random stories, but they, there wasn't a lot of meaning behind it. It would be like, Hey, this is what us coaches like at Mountain View are getting after this or pump sesh, it, but it wasn't, it didn't have a lot of meaning. It just, I had meaning to me, but it was just kind of more funny stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll delete it for a month, see how it feels. And we're a year and a half into it. And I just feel so refreshed by not having it. Um, I can spend my time on other things, reading more. And I'm the kind of person I am is I like to have that in-person connection. Um, I just find it much more intimate, um, by standing literally physically in front of someone and having that conversation about whatever it might be. Um, I understand that, you know, social media, Instagram platform is huge. There's so many benefits for us. You know, that's the type of industry we're in. You guys use it incredibly. I'll still sometimes like I'm part of the NC fit Instagram. So I'll sometimes go in and like dabble and see, but you know, for me, it was a matter of self-control and sometimes I don't have that kind of self-control. Um, so just by eliminating it and going cold Turkey, that's, it's been amazing. Yeah. I have thoughts about getting back on, um, still toying around with the idea. I have to be 110% positive though, that I do have that self-control if I were to get back into that game. It's super interesting because I mean, I, we have very different views about social media, obviously. Like I, I love it, but I think that it comes from like, Gabe makes fun of me all the time for this because I just don't go on it unless I'm like doing something for business on there. And I think that that is where it can get really dicey for people because like we were talking about before we started recording, like we're surrounded in person when you're a coach, you're surrounded by healthy people all day, right? Like you're surrounded by people that are working really hard. They're coming in the gym. They're like asking you to be their leader and they're trying to um, emanate like things that you're doing and that can feel really heavy. And then you go onto social media where it's feels like the same thing. And it feels like a lot of like this comparison that like comes through. And I think that's something that I've been super thankful for since we moved. Like I miss coaching so much, but I'm really thankful that now it's, I'm only getting it in one place, right? Like I only get it on social media. I'm only interacting with people in that way. I mean, of course in my real life I am too, but like the majority of my day is spent interacting with animals. So I'm not comparing myself to them. So I'm curious. I I know. I mean, it's super fun in another way, but I just compare myself to like more negative animals. If that's, you know, (laughs) we're throwing which one would be your more negative animal. Uh, Like any celebrity, I would consider them animals. 
Oh, I'm kidding, I mean, listeners. I'm, I'm fucking kidding. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, we all are that and spin it in the wrong direction. I know. That's going to be that like sound bite that goes fucking viral and I lose my job. It's a good thing that you pick the sound bites. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's something that I get. So like, I totally see what you're saying with that, Ariel. It's like a double whammy if you're coaching so much in person and then you're using social media as another platform. Um, you know, so for me, it's like, Again, I choose to be on the floor. You know, I choose to be the boots on with your virtual business. I mean, that's a necessity and you crush it with that. Um, but it's a trick, oh man, it's a tricky situation. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to like how, I don't know. I, I want to say like, how do we stop comparing ourselves? But I feel like that is a part of human evolution is just to compare because that's how we evolve and that's how we survive, right? Like we compare what are we doing to survive with other people that are doing things maybe better to survive. And that's how we've created this evolution of the human species. But now I think it gets, it can be really toxic. And I think that this is a conversation that a lot of people have themselves in, you know, like I have this conversation with clients all the time about how, if something on social media is triggering you, then it's time to let go of whatever that is. And it's time to either like do the spring cleaning of getting maybe paring down your, who you follow and who you see on social media. And maybe it's also getting rid of social media for a little bit. Can I I therapist for a second? Cause you can't say the word trigger and not have like every flag in my body come up. Um, obviously there's triggering things all over the place. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes what triggers us the most in other people, whether that's in person on social or anything else is like our own projection and our own shadow that we haven't figured out within ourselves. Right. So my dog just started barking. Sweet. Um, so I think that with that, Yes. If the self-control is a problem, if the constant comparison is a problem, like we're going to throw you the, the like life raft, right. And get you out of it. And maybe that's deleting social media. Maybe that's like doing the spring cleaning. And then the real, like quote unquote work is like exploring the trigger. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why was I even triggered about that? And Emily, I know that you said that you've dove into a lot of that work yourself. Have you been doing any kind of self-reflection in that sense? Oh gosh. Well, to kind of backtrack a little bit, when you guys talk about triggering and comparison, I think that's also a big room for opportunity for sharing and collaboration. I think there's a positive twist that you can put on it when you do find yourself comparing, I don't know, to some other celebrity or Instagram guru, I don't know, or any kind of trigger. I think it is a collaboration of, you know, sharing with other people and understanding the reason why what's going on. Um, so I just want to throw that in, um, as far as me diving into like self-reflection, you guys, you've said it on the past shows, you're the more like woo woo wee gals. I love that. I just have never been that kind of person. Um, I've worked, you know, I've, I'm the kind of person where like, you know, I should see a therapist I did in the past. Um, I think Lindsay and I have talked about this in the past and it's something that, you know, I need to do on a continuous basis, but it's just, you know, I'm reading untamed now. That's what I claim is my self-reflection right. You know, currently. Um, but again, it's just, like I said earlier, it's taking a step back and looking at a macro level and 
it's like, okay, well, what could I have done better? Or why, if I saw that, you know, what kind of emotions did that, you know, strike for me at that time? Um, but again, I'm not, I'm still struggling with being in tune with my own like emotional well-being and kind of getting more grounded with that, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think that that's, um, that's how a lot of people feel, you know, I, I don't think that you're alone in, you know, being able to ask yourself those questions, but also acknowledging that there's always room for improvement. And I think that's a lot of times where we get kind of stuck is, you know, like we know there's room for improvement. That's great. But then where do we go from here? What was like the impetus for you of like, okay, I'm going to start reading books like that. I'm going to start that like introspection. Um, I think again, back in 2020, I went through a really big separation with my ex. And so I think that just instigated, okay, well maybe I need to like do some deep diving into like things that I could have done better in the past or things that I can improve on. Uh, so that was the big spark for that. Um, you know, sitting down with someone, you know, talking about my feelings, Lord knows that was like a big struggle right then and there. Um, and so that was, again, the big spark that kind of lit the fire with that whole journey. And it's still continuing to this day, heck, like a year and a half, almost two years later, and it will always be an ongoing process. It's never going to, you know, stop, but it will go through. It's like a roller coaster. You know, there's going to be better times where I understand myself. And then there's going to be other instances where I'm going to be like, what the hell is going on? Why did that happen? Or why can't we, you know, why do I get so salty about certain things? Um, you know, it's yeah. Ongoing journey. I love that you're normalizing that because I think that through society, through narratives that we've adopted, whether they're ours or somebody else's, it's not socially acceptable for us to feel big feelings. Um, especially women, like it's almost more socially acceptable for a man to feel anger and like heaven forbid a woman feel anger to a societal standard, you know, or these different things that, you know, when you do go through a massive season change in your life, whether that be grieving a loss of a loved one or the ending of a relationship or anything and everything in between, like we all of a sudden are faced with these massive, massive emotions and the fact that we're so well, I think that Bloom and I are always talking, like we're always crying and <laughs> normalizing. Bloom like sent me a text message the other day. Sorry guys, this is tangential. Bloom sent me a text and I was in the airport and just started like bawling my eyes out in the airport. And Bloom was like, I'm so sorry. Cause I immediately responded like, I'm crying my eyes out in San Diego International Airport. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm just normalizing feeling big feelings in public. <laughs> so well, what about the text from last week when we had Colleen on the show? And I was like, literally about to cry right now, just because I love you guys. Uh, yeah, I did cry. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, giving yourself the permission to explore these big feelings and giving yourself the permission, like the knowledge to know that like, it is going to be waves, boom, pun it is going to be waves of like feeling really good, feeling really anxious, feeling really bad, feeling okay. Right. And like knowing that that's normal. How do you 
tying it back to the coaching world, how do you have all of these massive life things happening outside of work and for your, you know, for your life for coaching? Um, how did you kind of juggle or, or manage both? Um, I'm the kind of person that I can leave. I do. I feel like I do a really good job leaving that shit at the door. Um, because I don't, again, this is still a constant work in progress is my communication. Um, so especially with personal stuff, I'm a pretty private person. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. So when it comes to coaching on the floor, I do a really good job of kind of turning that switch off and then turning my coaching switch on. And it's like, okay, I'm here for the people. They don't need to know the crap that I'm going through. And that's just the type of energy I bring. I am like, like I am on 120% when it comes to my energy level for each and every class I coach. And I do, I never want anyone taking class to be like, Oh, Emily seemed off today. And like, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean that I can't get vulnerable with people, but there's a time and a place for that, especially if I have relationships with members or if I have a more close relationship, which, which I do with some members, but the majority no. Um, and it's me just turning that professional switch on when I go out on the floor. Um, it's really important to me. And it, like bringing that energy is like, I told, I messaged you guys, like my whoop, my heart rate gets to a hundred and like 70 plus when I am coaching, like I'm getting a workout in when I'm coaching. Um, and so that's kind of just how I've always functioned. I do a, a pretty, maybe too good of a job leaving the stuff off to the side and not a good enough job of communicating it in the proper time and place. Um, but as far as coaching goes, like I'm not bringing any personal shit in. It's interesting because we all inevitably will develop relationships with our members. Like we see them more than some people in their family see them. And it can be really challenging when, because obviously we like our members, like we want them to succeed and we want to be part of their lives, but it can get tough when like they know your personal shit. And like, how do you navigate having that professional relationship with them where you're there to support them and you have unconditional love and and regard for them and don't bring up my personal shit in the gym with other people around? I think people do a pretty good job of that. I really haven't had to deal with any like heartfelt conversations in the middle of class a, because it's just like, I'm go, go going. It's like, Hey, you know, we got to get through this warm up, this, you know, barbell progression into this workout. But if someone, and I have, again, I haven't experienced this because, you know, my really close friends are people on, you know, NC fit staff that I can have conversations with outside. Um, but if someone does want to have a conversation, I'll be like, Hey, I'm more than happy to chat about, you know, I'm appreciative that if you're asking about, you know, if you've noticed something, about me, that seems off very appreciative of that. I'm more than happy to talk after class. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I love the members. I love the people that I coach. They're so down to earth. They bring an energy to them that I really appreciate because, you know, it's reciprocated for the energy that I bring. Um, but I always want to make sure that that's like their best hour of their day when they come into those doors. Yeah. I think that it is a lot more of a conversation around professionalism. Like I think that for a lot of people coaching just feels like a hobby 
And even coaches that, you know, deep down want to make it their full-time job. If you're not treating it as a profession, it gets really hard because like Lindsay and I talk about this all the time with your energy and your frequency. Like if you're vibrating at a frequency, that's maybe down here, but you want to be at a frequency that's up here. You can't keep believing and doing and acting the way of that lower vibe, that lower frequency, because you're never going to get to that higher vibe. And it's the same concept with, um, really anything, but I'm thinking like coaching in, in general, like the cool thing about being part of the NC fit crew is that professionalism is such an important piece of that. And I think that's like exactly what you're saying right now is, you know, like you're doing, you're doing the profession of coaching. You're not, you know, just coaching for the sake of it. Yeah. And there was a period of time, um, you know, a couple of years ago where I really had to do a deep dive and ask myself, you know, I've been with NC fit. It'll be four years in the spring. I had to do a deep dive of, is this really what I want to do long-term? Is it sustainable? Um, you know, financially, just physically, emotionally. Cause it, you know, like I said, it's like, it's a ton of energy that you're, you know, putting out there. Um, you know, I was looking into other options, going back to grad school, that kind of thing, but it's that it, I got caught up into those different, if you guys will, those frequencies or those vibrations, right. Which, you know, was pulling me back from being completely present on the floor. Um, and I was kind of at a certain point in a wishy-washy state where I wasn't fully committed to one or the other. And I had to finally make a choice of what the hell I wanted to do. And looking back on it, I was, I think I was pursuing other, you know, possibilities for all the wrong reasons or not for my own reasons. And so finally, I mean, this is within the past year, I was like, I love, I freaking love coaching and I'm going to stick with that. And I've not felt better about that decision. Um, it's something that I'm really proud of. It's something that I am very grateful for, um, because not a lot of people have that opportunity. Um, they really don't. And to make it a full-time career is really special to me. Yeah, that's huge. I, I agree. I think that it's something that is such a, um, like we have such a powerful impact on the people that we interact with. And that really can't be taken lightly. And I think that if you are a coach, whether it is a hobby thing, or you're just kind of like trading your coaching for your membership, like you have a responsibility to those people to like show up for them. And that could be really awesome because I think that there's so much incredible stuff that comes out of having that power. Um, and it can also be really daunting. Um, I'm curious. I know that for me, whenever I would coach, I would have to have, like, I had a like ritual or routine that I would do before coaching. Um, so kind of like get me into the zone. Do you have anything like that? Well, first what's yours? I'm just curious. Oh, Mine was speeding to the gym with a cup of coffee, like shit, 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 shit. I'm gonna be late. <laughs> Mine was getting there. I'm not even kidding you. And people will think I'm crazy. Gabe thinks I'm crazy. I would sit in my car in silence and just like breathe. It was like too much stimulation if I didn't, if I went from like listening to the music or doing something in the car on the way to the gym and then going into the gym and like being 
this like high energy person with everyone, I just like couldn't keep it up. So I would literally drive to the gym in silence, sit in my car in silence, look at the session notes. And then uh, I would go into the gym. I loved opening the gym because you like built in silent time. Like I wouldn't turn the music on for like the first 10 minutes I was there. I would write the workout on the board. Um, Yeah, that was my routine. What's yours? Yeah. You know, I can't say that I have a real, like a religious routine each and every day, but you know, shameless plug. Yeah. I've used the session plans that we use for NC fit They're fuck, Can I cuss? I never even asked that. Yeah, dude. I, fire away. We, we curse like four times. Awesome. Like our group of coaches are fantastic at testing workouts and writing these great blueprints for the session plans. I've been coaching for eight plus years now, and I still utilize them. So again, this sounds so simple, but preparation is going to be crucial as far as a personal ritual goes. Um, you know, I, I look back, I mean, I basically am at the gym all day long. Um, whether that's, I mean, I only have about an hour to work out myself. Um, other times it's writing session plans. It's looking at programming, it's meetings, um, whatever. But I think for me, after I coach that, whatever the first class is, it's looking back and saying, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what changes can I make for the next class to make it even better than the first one? Um, and so looking to see how I can improve on what was, you know, I hope an already amazing class for the next batch of athletes that are coming through the door. I also like to get creative. Um, we have great warmups that our coaches come up with. Um, sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. I like going rogue. I'll even go rogue on my own warmups that I write for the session plan. Um, just cause I like throwing in different movements. I like, I am like the queen. I consider myself the queen of warmup that can also backfire on me very quickly as I, as I've learned in the past years, um, as far as the timeline goes, but I've gotten that down to a T now, but I like getting creative. So ritual, not so much kind of like just being in my breath, like you are, but it's just, how can I get creative for the next group that's coming in? I will never forget. Talk about being creative. I walked in one day. Um, I think we were filming session plans or I forget why I walked into mountain view, but it was at the end. I'd caught the tail end of one of your classes and the lights were off. Everyone was laying on the ground and you were walking around with like Zen music playing and everybody was breathing. And I was like, I don't know what Emily is doing right now, but it is working. Like I loved it. It was like before I got like very woo and I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. She got everyone to participate in that because that can be tough too. Like you want to be creative. You want to bring these new ideas and these new things to class and people can like, I remember I was like that. I was a nightmare athlete when I like first started CrossFit. Cause I'd be like, that's not a traditional CrossFit thing. Like I'm not going to do that. How do you get that buy-in? You got to say it with conviction at ultimately like, you know, and I think it's, it comes down to confidence. Um, not, you know, and that wavers for me still to this day. Um, but I have to keep reminding myself, okay, you know, your shit, Let's try this out. But it's again, getting the group together. We get, we get the group in the class together for the brief and the intro at the whiteboard. The same goes for at the very end of class. Yeah. It doesn't happen every day, depending on the workout. But if I have five to 10 extra minutes, like I used to practice yoga three to four times a week. And in addition to doing functional fitness, um, 
And I love that practice because it was on the other end of the spectrum from what I was used to in the gym. We would be, you know, at the gym, you know, you're yelling, you're motivating, you're teaching, you know, people are breathing heavy. Whereas in yoga, it's like, okay, you're moving through like a power vinyasa flow, but you're him and you're high you know, you're, you know, namasteing. And it's, again, you're just laying there and your thoughts. And so, yeah, actually I haven't done that in a while, but people were like, that was awesome. And I like, again, if I have five minutes, I'm utilizing every minute of that hour. Like they're, these guys are paying members. I don't want to say, Hey, all right, guys have a great, you know, if everything's cleaned up and put away, we still got five minutes. I'm like, Hey guys, we still have five minutes. We're going to utilize this time. We're going to go through a quick yoga flow. And then the last minute or two, yeah, I'll put on some this, I guess I am kind of woo woo in this aspect, but, but I am going to put on like on fit radio, there's different activities. So I go to the yoga playlist. Let me play some chimes. Let me play, you know, whatever. And they're just going to sit in their breath. Um, got to get this girl a bowl. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <bowl>. Get <laughs> Emily into sound healing. <laughs> but I let you know, I, I think it's important the adrenaline is going, but it's important to bring that back down sometimes, you know, sometimes they can leave and they're super energetic, love it. Great start to your day. But again, there's a time and a place as well to just like come up down from that high, um, and, and just on a really peaceful note. And I think that's important. Totally down regulating is like the integration of the fitness, right? Like how many times have you guys as coaches, like someone hits a really gnarly workout and they're like huffing and puffing and hardly making it out the door. And the first thing that goes through my head is like, you're going to go get in your car right now. Like you are going to cause an accident, but I think it's a perfect segue into kind of your career as a coach. I know that you've been coaching for close to a decade um, and you've coached in so many different environments. And a big part of me believes that because of coaching in these different environments, you're able to kind of pick and pull and like have this coaching be a creative process. Can you kind of like walk listeners through what your career has looked like? Yeah. Um, so backstory, I grew up playing team sports my entire life. I was a big competitive soccer player. Um, didn't do any college athletics. Um, but again, just played almost every sport under the sun, not basketball, not volleyball. So don't ask me about those sports know nothing about them. Um, but I loved being in a group environment and I have a competitive edge to me. Um, when I got to college, I studied exercise physiology. I fucking love like actually doing something in class and applying it. We had, um, you know, different tests, VO two max testing. And I was probably one of the very few females that actually wore athletic clothes every day. And so I was always like a Guinea pig, um, they, most of the time they just use male data, unfortunately, but I was able to participate in a lot of that stuff to see how it applies to day-to-day -day life. Um, and I love studying that. I have such a huge love for anatomy and physiology. I, um, coach Ryan will always come to me and ask, like, he's like, you're the anatomy queen. And I'm like, well, maybe not this day, but you know, back in college, I, I was dissecting cadavers. That was something that I loved. And so just how our body moves and functions is so fascinating to me. Um, and then that's kind of what spurred me into coaching. 
a friend got me into it, um, but into CrossFit started, you know, I got hooked just like all of us did drank the Kool-Aid. Um, and then I started interning at one of the gyms. I went to university of Montana. And so there was a gym nearby. Um, I worked with that owner, started interning. Um, I wanted to make sure that I knew how to do all of the movements myself before I got my level one. I was one of those people where it's like, I want to get my muscle up. I want to get like a feel for this. If I'm going to coach it, I'm not saying everyone needs to do that. People are amazing coaches that might not have muscle up and that's fine. Just for me, I needed to check that off the you know list before I got my level one, level two, um, coached at the same gym, two different owners in Montana. Um, very small, as you can probably imagine for the state of Montana. Um, that's my, my home state. So I love it. Um, and then I moved to Savannah, Georgia, actually worked for another gym down there. Like I mentioned to you before we started recording, that is a very polar opposite environment to what I am used to now in the Bay area, Savannah, Georgia, it's either all college kids going to Savannah College of Art and Design, which is a very amazing school for art and design, or it's all military. Um, so you have these really young athletes who are getting after it. And then you have military, um, you know, men and women who are coming from that side of things, which can be a pretty hard lifestyle and a pretty hard mentality, um, just based off of what they do in the military. I'm I'm a Navy brat. So I come from a military family and I understand that mentality. Um, I don't think it's healthy hundred percent of the time to be completely honest. Um, but that's kind of where I was a little bit harder of a coach. If that makes sense. I kind of had a chip on my shoulder because I needed, I felt like I needed to level up to these guys that I was coaching where they're doing PT for the military, but they're not getting full extension for their pull-ups at, at where I was coaching. Um, so you know, I think I was a little bit harder, um, of a mindset there still learned a lot, loved the gym that I was coaching at, you know, I learned a lot of things, but then coming out to the Bay area, that's where the big change occurred. It's a very different group of people. As you guys know, um, we're in tech central Silicon Valley, um, just different mindsets, different athletic, you know, abilities. And so I had to change my approach, um, a little bit more handholding and that's okay. Um, I think that's necessary for some athletes. It's a really scary environment to come into. And so if you need your handheld, I am there, I'm going to hold your hand, obviously not 24 seven. I think it's important to find your own way and figure things out on your own rather than asking a million questions. Um, but I want to be that safe support system for anyone coming in. And it's, so that's how it's evolved. Um, as far as my coaching career goes. Um, and I love that I've had the experiences that I've had. It's a, you know, we always talk about functional fitness as a universal language. Um, I have an athlete, a member now doesn't speak any English, none whatsoever. Her husband is the sole translator and it's making sure that I, you know, I've asked them, I'm like, please let me know how I can best communicate, you know, with you to make sure that you're understanding it. And it's, you know, comes, comes down to visual demonstrating, like making sure that she's able to see me. Um, and so that's just been a really fun challenge for me. And I like the way that it's evolved, how my coaching style has evolved to what it is today. 
All right. Something I have to ask about, because I know I ran into it early, early stages of my coaching career. Um, and this, I think the sport in general has evolved a lot since then. So I do want to give credit where credit's due. Um, I had so many male like that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of friction between like the male athlete and the female coach was so real in the early days of my coaching. And I was working with like surf bros from Santa Cruz, right? Not fucking military people. So I'm curious if you had a similar experience. I know you noted that you were a a Navy brat. And so you kind of had this like insight, but, um, did you experience that? And if so, how did you kind of overcome that and find your confidence and find your voice in coaching? This sounds so cliche, but it just through repetition. Yeah. I had friction. I would butt heads with guys. Um, but I think you gotta, again, kind of what Colleen mentioned in the podcast you you did with her is being empathetic, putting yourself in their shoes. Um, again, I am very familiar with the military lifestyle. Um, I have not been in it myself, but my family members have. Um, and so I know I have a, you know, a pretty good idea of things that they're going through. Um, and so even when they're coming into the gym, that's their outlet. If I have a disagreement or as their coach, you know, I'm going to say, Hey, like, you know, you're doing it this way. Let's try it this way. Um, if they give pushback, they give pushback at the end of the day, I can only be there to be their guiding light and give suggestions. Um, and if they want to choose not to get full extension on the pull-ups, I'm going to leave. I'm that's, that's their choice. Um, but again, it's finding that confidence through repetition and it's again, speaking with a voice of conviction. Um, and the more you can change the way you speak and your tone the more in like that positive way with that self, you know, with that confident way, they'll listen to you. They will. Hell yeah. It, it's definitely been something that I wish I could go back now and tell like 22 year old Lindsay to like <laughs> simmer down. Cause I would get, I would turn into such a brat. Oh man. I can like see that part of me come up right now. I'd get, so, I'd get so salty and I'd be so frustrated, but you know, again, it's going back to what we talked about at the beginning. You can only control what you can control. They're going to choose to do what they're going to do. And, you know, if that's their outlet for something that they can kind of pull away from what they're getting from training on base or deployments or whatever, I'm all for it. I am hundred percent all for it because again, they're going through a lot of shit that not a lot of people see or go through. Um, so yeah, they can be very, you know, have that macho mentality. Um, and that's fine. You know, it is what it is. It's again, just giving myself grace for everyone, you know, every other female coach that experiences that again, go in with confidence, put a sticky note on your bathroom mirror to remind yourself, Hey, you got this. And again, just keep doing what you're what you're doing. Cause it's making a difference, whether it's apparent or not. Oof. Mic drop. drop. Jinx. You're right. I just said it more slowly. You just like picked up on my vibration. Just mm. kidding. Um, well, Emily, I'm so used to saying like, how do people get a hold of you? And people like plug their social handle. So that's not going to happen. But if people did love this episode and they wanted to 
learn more, dive into any of the books you're reading, things that have really helped you along the way? Are there any resources or ways to connect that you want to leave the listeners with? This is going to sound so old school. Uh, my email <laughs> is emily at nc.fit. So you're more than welcome to email me. I am on Facebook though. That is the one thing that I have kept just for the NC Fit Collective. Um, so you're more than welcome to message me. I don't really hop on to the messenger all too often. Um, I try to post some stuff in our collective pages. Um, so yeah, email, or again, you can reach out to the NC fit media page and they can relay the message to me and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> send a messenger pigeon. I was just going to say, I'll send you a carrier pigeon. I used to write so many handwritten letters, um, back in the day. So. I don't know that that's near and dear to my heart. So, you know, you never know, you might get a, an envelope addressed to you from me. Hell yeah. You want a pen pal? We got you covered <laughs> that would be so cool. to start, to start. And then we will pen pal our way around. Yeah. Let me know if y'all are interested. It's like a book, <laughs> it's like a book club, but pen pals that you would have, you know, over in other States or countries. Hell yeah. Well, Emily, thanks so much. We got to get you back on here. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you both. You guys are rocking it. Keep crushing it. You too, Em. Thank you. Thank you.